0: to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of June 7, 2015. We have three great features for you this week, and so in the interest of time, we're placing abbreviated calendar reminders right here on page one. On the 11th, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will meet by conference call at 7 p.m. The number is 605-475-4700. intercode 155619. Also on June 11th, ACB Lions will meet at 9 p.m. by conference call. Call 712-432-3900 and intercode code 796-096. On June 12th, The Bluegrass Council will have its technology demos and training at the BCB office in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for information. On the 12th, GLCB will have its next Friday activities, education and technology, crafts and games, 3.30 to 10 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598. Also, KCB Next Generation will meet in conjunction with the GLCB activities. Next Generation will meet at 7.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On the 14th, Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold a quarterly membership meeting from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Palomar Center in Lexington. Give Bluegrass a call for more details. On June 20, GLCB will have a dine-out from 3.30 to 6 at Rockies in southern Indiana. Call us at 895 4598 for information and to make reservations. The following meetings will be held on the conference line at 605 475 6006. The code is 294444. On June 13, the GLCB Board will meet at 11 a.m. June 15, the KCB Board meets at 8 p.m. June 21, the KSB Alumni Board meets at 8 p.m., and on June 22, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky has a membership call at 7 p.m. The ACB International Relations Committee is planning several very interesting events for the 54th Annual ACB Conference and Convention in Dallas, and Sandra Sermons, committee chairperson, visits with us on page 2 to tell us all about them. The KSB Alumni Reunion was held this past weekend. It was a wonderful reunion with lots of good food, friends, and fun. The new alumni board includes President Deanna Scoggins, Vice Presidents Debbie Dethridge, Cecil Cox, and Jonathan McCarty, Secretary Shirley Stivers, Treasurer Carla Rushaval, and Directors Michelle Haycraft, Libby Cook, Tim Moore, and Bill Wright. The banquet speaker was very informative, and we joined Debbie Dethridge on page three as she introduces him to our audience. We all love money and time-saving household hints. On page 4, you'll find sweet tips to use a bottle of vinegar in every room in the house. Page 2. On the phone with me is Sandra Sermons, and Sandra is Miss IRC. Sandra is really, really well-known in ACB circles for her work with the International Relations Committee and also has been very involved with BRL, the Braille Revival League. Welcome, Sandra.
1: Thank you, Carla. Such a wonderful introduction.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking today about activities at the upcoming ACB convention in Dallas that are sponsored or co-sponsored by the International Relations Committee. And, Sandra. I think the first thing that we want to let people know about is the change in what has been known as the Voices from Around the World reception. That has changed this year to a different kind of event. So tell us about it and tell us where we'll find it on the form.
1: Okay. So um, traditionally everybody, you know, knows international relations, they think, okay, voices from around the world. and actually, I have to give thanks to Roger Peterson because way back when we first started having these receptions, he came up with the name and it stuck and it kind of ep- epitomizes what we were trying to do, our focus. so, but, it it so it evolved, and you know everybody was accustomed to having it on Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but we decided that we were going to shake things up and and do something a bit different because you know you can't really have monotony Mom, um, no. <laughs> never Absolutely for much. Not. so right. <laughs> so um. What we're doing this year is rather than having the, the typical or traditional reception, we're going to actually have a luncheon. Okay. We're, we're maintaining um, the name because the name, you know, will be ours. I think we, we're going to try to patent it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's going to be um, a, a luncheon on Tuesday afternoon. Um and rather than having a series of questions per se, which is what we our typical venue, um, we're going to have our executive director Melanie Brunson um, speak to us about the Marrakesh Treaty. Mm-hmm. And um, I think most people have some idea what it is, but um, more from the standpoint of how it will impact us. Um, in this country, because we will have access to books from other parts of the world, and they will have access to ours, and just what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And then we will sort of pick it up from uh, kind of a a meet and greet and have an opportunity to meet our international guests. Um, Some of them are quite familiar to ACB land, but Um, This year, for the first time, in my memory at least, uh, we will be having a delegation from Egypt. um, And then we'll have the usual Australia, um, Canada, and I don't want to give everything away, so I'm going to limit it to that and and just ask for um, the support. We definitely, on behalf of my committee and everyone, Hope that you can you can join us on Tuesday afternoon
0: mm-hmm. okay so that's Tuesday at lunch for voices from around the world that should be an exciting interesting change in the in that activity now there's there's some others there's an activity on Monday that I think really sounds neat and it's one where you're co-sponsoring tell us that
1: um, that is what we're doing um, because there's a huge push in ACB Uh, to do to co-sponsor and it and it's a good thing Um, one of the things that it does for us because we're relatively we're a relatively small committee but it allows us to um, heighten our awareness in the organization Um, we have several different perspectives and it gives people an opportunity to to not sort of just you know pigeonhole us to one thing and understanding that international relations affects so many different aspects of ACB Mm -hmm. so in keeping with that um, we are going to be co-sponsoring with students Um, it's Passport to ACB and it is primarily going to be a panel of folks who will be discussing how enriching doing a study abroad or or traveling abroad can be. Um, I think a lot of people have misgivings, especially folks who are blind or have low vision, about okay, well, if I go out to this foreign country, you know, am I going to have all of the things I need? what can I expect? what you know if I don't speak the language it's not it's not familiar, it's not home? oh my goodness, what's going? Good, you know mm-hmm. and we're trying to take away some of that mystique, some of the misgivings and and kind of open things up and open people's minds to the to the idea that international travel um is, is very enriching and it can really be a, a life-changing event especially if you if you're involved in something like a um, a study abroad where you actually get to spend um, a, a fair amount of time in another land experiencing another culture and you um, definitely does a, a lot to kind of round you out so we're going to try to Focus in on that this year as, as part of our programming as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's that really will be will be good. Um, I think th- it, travel is an interesting topic for a lot of people, and to focus on international travel it brings uh, an additional perspective to the topic. Now on Tuesday morning, um, for the past several years the Braille Revival League and the um, International Relations Committee have co-sponsored a breakfast, and are you doing that again this year?
1: We are back by popular demand. We are once again um, (laughs) sponsoring that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no change in the breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically the breakfast is an opportunity for ACB members to kind of get snippets of uh, some of our international guests and also how Braille is incorporated into the lives of people who are blind or have low vision worldwide. Um, and it's very interesting um, to learn, you know, how some snippets about how it's taught, how it's produced, what it's used for. Um, being a huge proponent of Braille as I am, and as I know you are, Carla. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It, you know anything we can do to um, kind of highlight Braille's use and highlight what Braille can do for somebody who's who's blind or low vision, the possibilities it opens up um, is is definitely a plus.
0: This should be a particularly interesting discussion. Um, I don't don't know if you're going to going to go there in the breakfast, but with UEB coming up and and how the implications of that for sharing Braille, and then of course moving into the Marrakesh Treaty, your lunch that day, um, I can I can see how there could be some very interesting. Uh, you know, opinions and topics that, uh, ideas that come out of that breakfast and carry over into other aspects of the convention planning, I mean, the convention programming.
1: That as well, all of the things that you've mentioned, and also there's there's the notion of, of having uh, a a Durable, low, lower priced, um, refreshable brand oh, yeah. thicker.
0: Yes, and and that's supposed to come out next year. Right. Um, that is due to be unveiled at CSUN in March of 2016. So um, that will that is especially targeting um, third world countries. And so um, there's a lot to talk about at that breakfast between BRL and the IRC. Right, and we all we, we've never um, had a shortage of, of topics.
1: <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> I, Just, you know, I'm not gonna I, I definitely think general sessions are uh, very interesting to mm-hmm. um, attend and, and punctuality is always a good thing, but the the breakfast <laughs> at least the Braille breakfast, the uh, international you know BRL mm-hmm. breakfast, mm-hmm. you know that there's no shortage of of, of topics
0: right, right. Well, and then there is one other activity that you're going to be uh, co-sponsoring with another committee, actually, and that's the Rehab Task Force?
1: Right. Um, Rehab Around the World, which will Uh be um, Tuesday afternoon, just after the luncheon, Uh um, Voices from Around the World luncheon. And we will be exploring in a very brief way, um, the the rehab models uh, from different countries, you know, we all, voc rehab has impacted our lives, <laughs> some for the better and some not. <laughs> um,
0: um, and it depends on when you
1: ask. Right. And I mean, <laughs> the same person, if you yes. ask them one day, they may say something else and see them next year, and well, it could be different. But yes, yes. Um, But what we don't know is what is folk rehab like in another country? You know, if, if as if if you lived in Egypt and you were a person who was blind or had low vision, what would the rehab opportunities look like for you? Mm-hmm. Would you have a shot at, you know, education, uh, employment, uh, you know, family activity? Could you be a productive citizen?
0: And would it depend on your... Uh, family status as to you know here if, if you are um, if you don't have a whole lot of money uh, but you can go to college, you can um, do well on the ACT or the SAT and, and you want to do to do so, um, you know you can get assistance to go. you don't have to be at a certain in a certain class um, economic class in order to do that. Right.
1: You don't have to be in a certain class. You don't have to be um, a, a certain ethnicity. Right. And you don't have to be of a certain, you know, caste. Right. And and unfortunately... Or royalty uh, or whatever. Right. I mean, unfortunately, that is not always the case in, right. in other countries. Right. So um, it, it would be very interesting to kind of get a glimpse of what, the voc rehab model is in in other countries besides our own
0: now what time is that um, is that activity on, on Tuesday I
1: think it is at Two
0: thirty. Okay, maybe the 2.45 time slot. That one, sorry, 2.45. Yeah, yeah. Doug, that
1: please, one. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, please don't hit me in the head for that one. You always but. have
0: to, st- at least I always have to stop and think about when that time frame begins, because for many, many years we had a lot of things that kind of started at 2.30, uh, they might have been 2.15, they might have been 2.45, and we kind of rolled all them into that one time frame. And even though I was involved in that time change, um, I still have a hard time of thinking at two forty five. I'm, I'm like you, I'm thinking, Oh, that must be two thirty and then nope. Um ignoring the break in there. So two forty five for the rehab task force and uh and is there a ticket charge for that? There is. Um yeah. You don't have to remember what it is. Just just look for it on the form. Yeah. And uh, as, as usual, all of these events, any event on the pre-registration form that carries a charge, um, most of the time is a few dollars less expensive or cheaper if you purchase it on the form as opposed to waiting until you get there. And um, so we would urge people to pre-register for these activities. It not only saves you a little money, but it also really, really helps in planning because if a lot of people for an activity wait until the very last minute or just show up at the door and buy tickets, which you can do, but then um, people come in and say, oh my goodness, we're out of chairs in this room. Why didn't they plan enough chairs? Well, maybe there were ten people that showed up at the door, you know. Or we're out of food. Well. Exactly, yes. <laughs> We've had that happen too. Uh, yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> You know, you show up at breakfast and here's ten, 10 extra people that are trying to get a hotel scurrying around, you know. They're trying to bring chairs in and everybody's all crammed up. So it would just help with the planning and making sure people are in the right size rooms and things if if you purchase those tickets ahead of time registration pre-registration is open until June 25 um, don't wait till the last day to do it because uh, anything can happen and then you don't get your tickets and you can, once it closes Sandra you can't purchase any more tickets until registration opens on the third uh, of July um, I think it's the third yes on the third yeah. Uh in, in Dallas and right. so it's real important to go on and get those. Um, I think this these really sound like a great lineup, and um, I wish you every success in changing that reception to a lunch. I think that's going to be a, a really good move.
1: Well, thank you very much, Carla, and I do hope that we will see you for some of our activities?
0: Well, I hope so. One other thing we want to quickly let people know. If you are not planning to attend the Dallas Convention, but you would like to hear some of the programming, um, the many of the ACB committee programs, uh, such as the IRC slash Rehab Task Force program, uh, some of them will be available on ACB radio. So, folks back home will be able to tune in and listen to them. Some will be on a live basis, some will be on a delayed broadcast basis, but we will be posting that information on our Facebook and Twitter pages uh, when we get up closer to the convention so that people can, can listen and uh, can, can tune in and, and get be involved in some of that good programming.
1: Exactly. Um, and, and we do hope that, you know, definitely we, we hope to see all of you at convention and at international relations events. Um, however, if you cannot make it, then definitely tune in. Uh, the rehab task, our rehab um, seminar, possibly the students, and then the first part of Voices because the, Melanie will be discussing uh, Marrakesh.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. We are really glad to have had you with us on soundprints and we will glad see you in to Dallas. Do it, and
1: thank you again, Carla, for having me.
2: Page three. I'm really excited about our guest speaker, and before we get started, uh, we haven't made this announcement much this weekend, but if anybody has cell phones, if you would please silent them, that would uh, help in the distraction, and if you... You know, need to socialize. It might be good if you go outside um, to do that. But our speaker is Steve Weiser, and he's an author of several books. He's in the architect field, and he and his wife Kathy has have lived in the Crescent Hill Clifton area for the last thirty-five years. He's a historian, and so he's really has a lot of hats and He's going to be talking about the early years of Clifton and Crescent Hill, and his talk is called From Buffalo to Trolley Hops. And so at this time, I would like to uh, welcome Steve Weiser.
3: Thank you, Debbie. I'll walk on the other side here. Okay. That's okay. Thank you very much, Debbie. And I've known Debbie for some time uh, we go to church together at uh, St. Francis of Rome, which I'll reference during my talk. Well, as uh, Debbie was indi- indicating, I am an architect and I uh, specialize in the healthcare design of uh, items like hospitals, clinics, medical offices, things of that nature. But my other passion is history. While not a trained historian, I have had the good fortune of being mentored by some of the really great Louisville historians, such as Sam Thomas. Clyde Cruz and George Yater. I've been researching and learning about Louisville history for the past 35 years. In 1980 I married my high school sweetheart Kathy and our first apartment was on Haldeman Avenue. I think I don't need to tell you where that is. We regularly interacted with students of KSB on the sidewalks around the campus. However, my parents thought I was nuts moving into the Clifton neighborhood. They lived in Oklahoma, which is way far out from the inner city. To me and my wife, Kathy, we preferred, we preferred the urban lifestyle and did not like the blandness of suburbia. And thus, we have lived in this area for 35 years. We now just lived up, up the street here on Zorn Avenue near the Brownsboro Road intersection. And we go to a church at St. Francis of Rome near where the train tracks cross Frankfort Avenue. I've been involved uh, with the Clifton neighborhood for many years. I served on the board of the United Crescent Hill Ministries during the mid-1980s, and have helped support the Peterson-Duminell House. Let's do a little bit of time travel. Let's go back in time, 250 years to be exact, to the year 1765. What do you think you would encounter as you walked about the area where KSB is now located? Well, you wouldn't see any cars or find any cars there, nor houses or railroads or even a paved street. You would only find an animal path, or a trace as they were called back then, that stretched from the falls of the Ohio River up the hillside and along the middle of the high ground that we now call Crescent Hill. Bison, elk, deer, and other large animals used this ridgeline trail as they migrated through the Ohio Valley. Native Americans were here and they hunted these animals. We have since named our parks after these Native American tribes that once lived here. These parks are Cherokee, Shawnee, Iroquois, Chiniwith, Chickasaw, and many other tribes. The first European settlers started to arrive in the 1760s, and then in 1778, Thomas Jefferson directed his good friend and fellow Virginian and neighbor, George Rogers Clark, to take a group of Revolutionary War soldiers to this area and secure the Falls of the Ohio from the British. Clark then formed the town of Louisville in 1780. Our city was named after King Louis XVI, and thus, however you pronounce his name, is how you say Louisville. So if you say King Louis XVI, well, that's how you say Louisville. That's the way I would, not Louisville. A bit of trivia. When did Kentucky become a state? Commonwealth does anyone know when that happened
2: 1792
3: 1792, that is correct so we were all Virginians back uh, prior to then the town of Louisville prospered in the early 1800s and since it since it was on the western frontier and anyone traveling via steamboat had to disembark at the Falls of the Ohio to navigate around this watery hazard and a lot of folks decided to stay here and build houses and businesses By the 1840s, the town was growing in a manner that some decided to move out of the downtown area into the countryside. Louisville's population was the 10th largest in the nation during this mid-1800s period. One individual who did not like all the hustle and bustle of the city life was Joshua Bowles, and that's spelled B-O-W-L-E-S, Joshua Bowles. He was a prominent businessman and he built a house off what was then called Frankfort Pike. Frankfort Pike was a dusty, dirt road that led from Louisville to the state capital in Frankfort, and it was a toll road. You had to pay to travel on it. The old toll house still exists. It is now an Italian restaurant on Frankfort Avenue. But Bowles located his house just inside the toll booth boundary, and therefore he did not have to pay any tolls to go into town. Did I mention he was a very savvy businessman, so he avoided the tolls. Uh, Bowles called his house Clifton. It has long since been demolished, replaced by a nursing home in the early 1960s. It was located at the intersection of Sycamore and Clifton Avenues just up the hill from Kroger's. By the way, in case you didn't know, Clifton referred to the steep topography found along Brownsboro Road. I take it most of you have had to climb the hill from Brownsboro to go to KSB <laughs> at some point, and thus you know the relevance of the Clifton name. By the way, Vernon Avenue, and some of you may be familiar with Vernon Avenue, used to be called Bowes Lane. If Bowles were building his house today, he'd likely build it in the middle of Odom County. That is how far out in the countryside Bowles was travel time-wise from downtown Louisville. If you rode a horse from 6th and Jefferson, where City Hall is located in downtown Louisville, out to the Bowles house, it would take you a good 30 minutes or so provided you aren't riding the Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh. <laughs> but yeah, if you were riding a typical horse from downtown up to where Bose built his house, it would be a good 20 to 30 minute horse ride. So that's how far out in the countryside Bose built his house, way out from downtown. Today, if you got in a car at 6th and Jefferson and traveled up I-71, you'd get to LaGrange or Crestwood in Odom County you'd be in the midst of farmland. Thus, most of the Clifton area was agricultural land 170 years ago. There were many farms with goats, pigs, and cows. The stockyards were just down the hill in Butchertown. I take it y'all kind of know where Butchertown is. You may have smelled it at one point. There are many stone... I remember when I lived on Haldeman Avenue, I always... Especially in August, you got a good whiff of the uh, Butchertown neighborhood. Anyways, uh, there are there many stone walls that line the sidewalks in the Clifton neighborhood. And these walls helped contain the livestock as they were herded towards the stockyards. So that's one reason why if you're walking along the sidewalk and you notice the stone walls, that's the reason why, mostly the reason why. By the mid-1850s, the environment started to change from farms to residential. Several things spurred this landscape transition. Railroads were being built, and tracks were laid along Frankfurt Pike. This allowed easier and faster access from downtown. There were five trains a day that carried folks back and forth. I think there are more than five trains a day now on Frankfurt Avenue. I think there's like two or three an hour now on Frankfurt Avenue. Yeah, there's a lot of trains now, but back then there were five. And in the 1850s, the Water Company was formed and the first reservoir was on the hill with the VA hospital currently exists on Zorn Avenue, just nearby where we are currently sitting. In fact, right across the street from where we are currently sitting was where the first reservoir was located up on the hill. Thus, with better transportation and availability of quality drinking water nearby, the Clifton area was primed for development. KSB took advantage of these desirable amenities and relocated from downtown to the location on Frankfort Avenue. It built a magnificent domed building, which remained a local landmark for over 100 years. By the late 1800s, residences and businesses were being built throughout the area. St. Francis of Rome Catholic Church opened in 1887. Mule-drawn streetcars traveled up and down Frankfort Pike. Clifton was a small town just outside the city limits. By 1900, all of Clifton had been annexed by the city of Louisville. The fire station at Frankfort and Pope opened in 1909. Some of you may know it is now called the Silver Dollar Saloon Restaurant. It is still there, but it's now a restaurant. During the early and mid-1900s, the Clifton area was a vibrant community. Then, just like 100 years previous when Joshua Bowes no longer wanted to live in the hustle and bustle of urban life, residents decided to depart Clifton for greener pastures and moved out to suburbia. In the late 1950s and 1960s, a once thriving district was now in decline. As mentioned earlier, I moved on to Halderman Avenue in the early 1980s. Another bit of trivia, Halderman Avenue was named for Walter Halderman. He was the publisher of the Courier newspaper in the mid-1800s. In 1867, Halderman merged his newspaper with George Prentiss's newspaper, which was called The Journal. And thus, The Courier Journal newspaper was formed. So, Halderman Avenue was named for a newspaper publisher. Clifton was not a popular place to be back in the uh, 1960s and even the 1970s. Storefronts were vacant. There were, was little traffic on Frankfort Avenue. You could literally stand in the middle of Frankfort Avenue and not be concerned about being struck by a car back in the 1970s, yes. No one wanted to live in this area. My parents thought I had lost my mind to move here. There were no options for eating out. There wasn't a McDonald's, a Subway, or any pizza places. Kroger's got the nickname Dirty Kroger's due to its out of date appearance. However, yeah, I know Dirty Kroger still has its name. I know. <laughs> However, we did have Busman's Bakery. And if it wasn't for KSB, Clifton would have been totally lost and forgotten back then. By the late 1980s, though, things started to improve, little by little. The Frankfurt Avenue Business Association was formed. They made streetscape improvements, like placing benches along the sidewalks and planting flowers. They spruced up their storefronts, making it more attractive, which in turn encouraged more businesses to locate here. I remember when the Irish Rover restaurant opened in the early 1990s. Wow, that was really a key milestone in attracting more restaurants and shops. Now, someone at my table mentioned that he felt that when Frickle Pickle, um, what was that? Jenny's Diner. Diner. Uh, really moved in, and that may have been the case. I never went to Jenny's Diner. I did go to Irish Rover, and a good friend of mine owns uh, Irish Rover, but yeah, when those restaurants started to move in, it really started to change the environment there along Frankfurt Avenue. We now have numerous dining options. On a recent Friday trolley hop night, traffic was backed up between the railroad tracks to Ewing Avenue, somewhat of what is about a quarter of a mile or so. It was bumper to bumper. We now have Comfy Cal, Homemade Pie Kitchen, Veronese, and numerous clothing stores, several bookstores, and even coffee shops. And I say Kroger's isn't dirty anymore. It really isn't dirty anymore. In fact, they're getting ready, and some of you may know this, they're getting ready to do this major uh, renovation and expand the store Uh, They started at about a week or so ago, and you'll be noticing more and more construction traffic around Kroger's in the upcoming weeks. Uh, And, as you may know, there is a very large apartment complex going up at the old Ready Electric location just up the street from KSB. I think what did someone say? It had 92 apartment units in it. Very large. I'm not sure why they're building it that big, but it's a huge apartment complex. So now... Clifton is a very desirable place to be, like it was 100 years ago in the early 1900s. Although, as an ardent preservationist, I would have loved to have uh, the old domed building still existing. However, the modern auditorium by architects Robert Kingsley and Jasper Ward, which won a Kentucky Architectural Award in the mid-1970s, is a wonderful addition to the campus. While it is nice to reminisce about the past, I am thankful we live in the present. Air conditioning, microwaves, cell phones, and computers all make for a better lifestyle than our ancestors ever even dreamed of back in 1915. I sometimes wonder what our descendants will say about us 100 years from now. What marvelous technologies and transportation systems will exist in 2115? There will probably be a KSA, KSB event where a future historian will talk about how primitive the lifestyle was in 2015, and how they how could they have survived like that. I'll leave it to conjecture for others to ponder this futuristic history. What once was a worn path on a hilltop ridgeline where buffalo used to roam. Frankfort Avenue now is a preferred destination where folks want to live, work, and play. I wanted to say pray. We pray here, too, uh, here in the Clifton area. And at the heart of it all and surviving all the ups and downs of this journey through history is the Kentucky School for the Blind. KSB has been and always will be a very strong institution. For over 170 years, it has anchored the Clifton community and kept it stable. On behalf of all the residents of this area, I express our appreciation to all at KSB who have helped make Clifton a great neighborhood in which to call home. Thank you again for allowing me to share some historical observations with you this evening and best wishes for many more successful years in the future history of KSB.
0: Page 4. At our GLCB Friday event this past week, we shared some of the many uses for vinegar. Vinegar is inexpensive and can often be substituted for products that are much more expensive. The following information is from versatilevinegar.org. versatilevinega dot and includes many more tips than we were able to discuss last Friday. Vinegar has been around for over 10,000 years. Through the centuries, vinegar has been produced from many kinds of materials, including molasses, dates, sorghum, fruits, berries, melons, coconut, honey, beer, maple syrup, potatoes, beets, malt, grains, and whey. But the principle remains unchanged—fermentation of natural sugars to alcohol, and then secondary fermentation to vinegar. Around 5,000 years ago, the Babylonians used vinegar as a preservative and as a condiment, and it was the Babylonians who began flavoring it with herbs and spices. Roman legionnaires used vinegar as a beverage—that would have made for a tasty meal— Cleopatra demonstrated its solvent property by dissolving precious pearls in it so she could win a wager that she could consume a fortune in a single meal. Hippocrates extolled vinegar's medicinal qualities, and it was probably one of our earliest remedies. The Greeks reportedly made pickled vegetables, or meats, using vinegar. Biblical references show it was much used for its soothing and healing properties. When Hannibal, the great general, crossed the Alps with an army riding on elephants, it was vinegar that helped pave the way. Obstructive boulders were heated and doused with vinegar, and they cracked and crumbled so that Hannibal could proceed. By about 3000 B.C., the making of homemade vinegar was being phased out, and by 2000 B.C., vinegar was produced largely as a commercial industry. During the American Civil War, vinegar was used to treat scurvy. In World War I, it was being used to treat wounds. Here are a number of tips for using vinegar. For health, relieve heartburn or acid indigestion by taking one or two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar. To clean your CPAC machine, of calcium deposits from the humidifier reservoir. Heat 1 and 3 cups of vinegar in the microwave for two minutes. Pour the vinegar into the reservoir and replace the cap. Let sit for one hour remove the vinegar. The reservoir should be clean and calcium free. Soothe a bee or jellyfish sting by dousing with vinegar. It will soothe the irritation and relieve the itching. Relieve sunburn. Lightly rub white distilled or cider vinegar on the skin. Reapply as needed. Fight dandruff. After shampooing, rinse with a solution of 1 half cup vinegar and 2 cups of warm water. Soothe the sore throat. 1 cup of hot water, 2 tablespoons of honey, 1 teaspoon of vinegar, gargle, and then drink. Treat sinus infections and chest colds by adding 1 cup or more of vinegar to the vaporizer. Be sure to check the vaporizer instructions for additional water measurements. Skin burns apply ice-cold vinegar right away for fast relief. Will prevent burn blisters. Chest congestion to clear up respiratory congestion, inhale a vapor mist from steaming pot containing water and several spoonsful of vinegar. For arthritis relief, mix a teaspoon of half apple cider vinegar, half honey, in a glass of water with a teaspoon of orange-flavored Knox gelatin. Relieve dry or itching skin. By adding two tablespoons of vinegar to your bath water or apply a paste made from vinegar and cornstarch. For wart removal, mix lukewarm to warm water with a cup of white distilled vinegar. Immerse the area with the wart and soak for twenty minutes every day until the wart disappears. For a bug spray, combine equal amounts of water, white distilled vinegar, and liquid dish soap in a spray bottle. Use on skin as needed. For your PC, clear off dirt from PCs and peripherals. Your computer, printer, fax machine, and other home office gear will work better if you keep them clean and dust-free. Before you start cleaning, make sure that all your equipment is shut off. Now mix equal parts of white vinegar and water in a bucket. Dampen a clean cloth in the solution. Never use a spray bottle. You don't want to get liquid on the circuits inside. Squeeze out the cloth as hard as you can and start wiping. Use cotton swabs to get in tight places like around the keys of your keyboard. Burnish your scissors. When your scissor blades get sticky and grimy, Don't use water to wash them off. You're far more likely to rust the fastener that holds the blades together or the blades themselves than to get them clean. Instead, wipe down the blades with a cloth dipped in full-strength white vinegar and then dry it off with a rag or dish towel. For no-wax floors, wash the floors by adding one-half cup of white distilled vinegar to a half gallon of warm water. For carpet stain removal, mix one teaspoon of liquid detergent and one teaspoon of white distilled vinegar in a pint of lukewarm water. This will remove non-oily stains from carpets. Apply to the stain with a soft brush or towel and rub gently. Rinse with a towel moistened in clean water and blot dry. Repeat this procedure until the stain is gone. Then dry quickly using a fan or hair dryer. This should be done as soon as the stain is discovered. For windows and walls, clean your windows with vinegar and prevent streaks. It will make your windows gleam and will not leave the usual film on the glass. Mix equal parts of white distilled vinegar and warm water. Dry with a soft cloth. Wash woodwork. You can make that job a lot easier and also Wash painted walls, and even Venetian blinds, by using a mixture of one cup of ammonia, one-half cup of white distilled vinegar, and one-fourth cup of baking soda mixed in one gallon of warm water. Wipe the solution on the walls or the blinds with a sponge or cloth. Rinse with clear water. The dirt and grime comes off easily, and the solution will not dull the painted surface or leave streaks. Remove water or alcohol marks from wood. Stubborn rings can be caused by wet glasses being placed on wood furniture. You can remove them by rubbing with a mixture of equal parts of white distilled vinegar and olive oil. Rub with the grain and polish for best results. Some vinegar tips for the kitchen. Clean your garbage disposal with vinegar cubes keeps disposal clean and odor free. Make vinegar ice cubes by filling an ice tray with a mixture of one cup of vinegar and enough water to fill the ice tray and then freeze. Run the mixture through the disposal and then flush it with cold water for a minute or two. For a coffee maker cleaner, automatic coffee makers, white distilled vinegar can help to dissolve mineral deposits that collect in the automatic drip coffee makers from hard water. Fill the reservoir with white distilled vinegar and run it through a brewing cycle. Rinse thoroughly with water when the cycle is finished. Clean your microwave by boiling a solution of 1 4 cup of white vinegar and 1 cup of water in the microwave. This will loosen splattered on food and deodorize. Deodorize the kitchen drain by pouring a cup of white distilled vinegar down the drain once a week. Let stand 30 minutes and then flush with cold water. Clean the refrigerator by washing with a solution of equal parts of water and white vinegar. Make a polish good for cleaning your brass, copper, and pewter. It will make it shine. Dissolve one teaspoon of salt in one cup of white distilled vinegar and stir in flour until it becomes a paste. Apply the paste to the metals and let it stand for about fifteen minutes. Rinse with a clean, warm water and polish until dry. For an ant detergent, wash countertops, cabinets, and floors with white distilled vinegar. Have cleaner dishes and glasses by pouring one and one half cup to two cups of white distilled vinegar into the bottom of the dishwasher along with regular dishwasher soap wash full cycle. Remove refrigerator smells by placing one cup of apple cider vinegar in a glass and set in the refrigerator. Within two days, any smell is gone. Tips for the bathroom. Bathtub film can be removed by wiping with white distilled vinegar and then with soda. Rinse clean with water. Rub down shower doors with a sponge soaked in white distilled vinegar to remove soap residue. Stubborn stains in the toilet bowl can be removed by cleaning with white distilled vinegar and brushing vigorously. The bowl can be deodorized by adding three cups of white distilled vinegar. Allow it to remain for a half hour and then flush. Unclog the shower head Corrosion may be removed from shower heads or faucets by soaking them with white distilled vinegar overnight. This can be easily accomplished by saturating a terry cloth towel in vinegar and wrapping it around the shower head or faucet. For the lawn and garden, kill grass that grows between the cracks of the sidewalks and driveways by pouring full strength white vinegar on the grass. Kill weeds by spraying white distilled vinegar full strength on the tops of the weeds. Reapply on any new growth until the plants have starved. Increase soil acidity in hard water areas by adding one cup of vinegar to a gallon of tap water and watering acid-loving plants like rhododendrons, gardenias, or azaleas. The vinegar will release iron in the soil for the plants to use. Keep flowers longer. Add 2 tablespoons of sugar and 2 tablespoons of white vinegar in a 1 quart vase of water. Trim stems and change the water every 5 days. For a plant nutrient, mix vinegar and water in a ratio of 1 part vinegar to 8 parts water. Mix a separate solution of sugar and water in the same ratio, one part sugar to eight parts water. Combine the vinegar and sugar mixtures. Add to plants as long as needed. Here's some tips for your pets. For a pest fighter, a teaspoon of white distilled vinegar for each quart bowl of drinking water helps keep your pet free of fleas and ticks. The ratio of one teaspoon to one quart is for a 40-pound animal. For pet accidents, test the color fastness of the carpet with white distilled vinegar in an inconspicuous place. Then sprinkle white distilled vinegar over the fresh pet accident. Wait a few minutes and sponge from the center outward. Blot up with a dry cloth. This procedure may need to be repeated for stubborn stains. Get rid of odor on a smelly dog by wetting the dog down with fresh water. Use a mixture of one cup white distilled vinegar and two gallons of water. Saturate the dog's coat with this solution. Dry the dog off without rinsing the solution. The smell will be gone. Some other tips for furniture mix olive oil and vinegar in a one-to-one ratio and polish with a soft cloth. Try in an inconspicuous place first. For worn DVDs, if you have a worn DVD that has begun to stick or suffers from the occasional freeze frame, wipe it down with white distilled vinegar applied to a soft cloth. Ensure the DVD is completely dry before reinserting into the DVD player. This only works on DVDs that are scratched and dirty from normal wear. Laundry Hints Freshen baby clothes by adding one cup of white distilled vinegar to each load of baby clothes during the rinse cycle. This will naturally break down uric acid and soapy residue, leaving the clothes soft and fresh. Clothes will rinse better if one cup of white distilled vinegar is added to the last rinse water. The acid in vinegar is too mild to harm the fabrics, but strong enough to dissolve the alkalis in soaps and detergents. Cotton and wool blankets become soft, fluffy, and free of soap odor if two cups of white distilled vinegar are added to the rinse cycle of the wash. For deodorant and antiperspirant stains, you can remove them from clothing by lightly rubbing with white distilled vinegar and laundering as usual. Add one cup of white distilled vinegar to the rinse water when you launder your shower curtain. Do not spin dry or wash out. Just hang the curtain immediately to dry. For food preparation, get the last drops from your mayonnaise or salad dressing jar by dribbling a little of your favorite vinegar into it, putting on the cap tightly, and shaking well. You'll be amazed at how much you've been wasting. Try soaking fish in vinegar and water before cooking. It will be sweeter, more tender, and hold its shape better. When boiling or poaching fish, a tablespoon of vinegar added to the water will keep it from crumbling so easily. Cake icing can be prevented from becoming sugary if a little vinegar is added to the ingredients before cooking. The same is true when making homemade candy. When boiling an egg and it's cracked, A little vinegar in the water will keep the white from running out. A teaspoon of white distilled or cider vinegar added to the water when you boil potatoes will keep them nice and white. You can keep peeled potatoes from turning dark by covering them with water and adding two teaspoons of vinegar. Freshen up slightly wilted vegetables by soaking them in cold water and vinegar. Add two tablespoons of white distilled vinegar to one pint of water and use to wash fresh fruits and vegetables. Then rinse thoroughly. Research has shown that vinegar helps kill bacteria on fruits and vegetables. Vinegar is a flavor booster. Perk up a can of soup, gravy, or sauce with a teaspoon of your favorite specialty vinegar. It adds flavor and tastes fresher. As a tenderizer for tough meat or game make a marinade in the proportion of half a cup of your favorite vinegar to a cup of heated liquid such as bouillon or for steak you may prefer a mix of vinegar and oil rubbed in well and allowed to stand for two hours. Remove fruit or berry stains from your hands by cleaning them with vinegar. It's easy to take out the Heavy stale smell often found in lunch boxes. Dampen a piece of fresh bread with white distilled vinegar and leave it in the lunchbox overnight. Get rid of cooking smells by simmering a small pot of vinegar and water solution. For fluffier rice, add a teaspoon of white distilled vinegar to the boiling water before adding the rice. Rice will be easier to spoon and less sticky. We hope you've enjoyed our vinegar tips. Let us know if you like this type of feature, and we can include some other types of household tips and budget stretchers in future sound prints. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at KCB at igloo dot